everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We want to invite you to learn more about the heart and vision of City of Lights. So check out our website at cityoflights.church and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at City Lights Indie. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy today's message. So glad you're here with us again. We welcome you, uh, especially those who are here for the first or second time. We know there's a lot of places that you can be on a Sunday morning. We're super glad that you're here with us today. I believe that God has a word for you. I believe God has a word for all of us, an encouragement and a challenge for us to be who he's called us to be and to be a part of the very family that he has designed us to be a part of, which is his church. We are in the second week of our series called We are the church. And one of the things we've been declaring and reminding ourselves is that the church is not just some uh, far off distant concept. It is not just some construct by the wealthy or the privileged. This is an idea. It is a person. It is an organism that was birthed out of the heart of God that we would walk in complete and full community in him and be a part of his family. So this morning, I want to jump right into our text. If you could go ahead and turn with me to the book of Hebrews. We're going to start in chapter 10, beginning in verse 19. I'm going to read through verse 25. I'm reading in the ESV translation. If you don't have your Bible with you, you can just look up on the screens. We've got it there ready for you. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from the evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another. The NIV says how to spur one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us. Lord, help us to surrender all of our presuppositions about the church. Lord, help us to lay down, Lord, all of the distortions or false images that we have walked with, that we've adopted, or that we've acquired over time. Lord, help us to see with fresh eyes and hear with fresh ears and receive with softened hearts your truth. Lord, help us to surrender and let go of every strain of counterfeit connection so that we can fully draw near and embrace the best that you have for us. We ask this in your precious name. Amen. Yes, I love technology, but not as much as you, you see. But I still love technology, always and forever. Mm. I love technology. I mean, not as much as you, you see. 
but still I love technology. No, I really do. I love technology. I love, uh, I love technological advancements. I love, you know, having a, a computer that was made within the last three years. I love unboxing, like, a new phone. I just am like a kid at Christmas. Like, any new gadget, any, any speakers or headphones or anything, I just, I just really enjoy it. And honestly, like, if I've... I've you know, I love new apps. I mostly like iOS updates as long as they don't jack up my battery life. Um, I have to admit, you know, shamefully or whatever, I've, I've definitely ha- sat in and been a part of Apple keynote viewing sessions uh, with friends, uh, some who are in this room. Um, you know, and honestly, if I had all the money, if I just had just exorbitant amounts of money or had a really good friend at Apple, I would love to have like all of the different apps and connectors where you can sync all of your utilities and lights and music in your house like from your phone. Like that just, that just excites me. That kind of geeks me out a little bit. And, you know, it seems how so much of, of my life seems to be connected via technology. You know, my email, my calendar, my daily Bible reading, our project management software for the church, to-do list, even, even our health. If I want to go to Planet Fitness or I want to go to the gym, they just scan my phone. Or if I'm feeling sick and I need a prescription or I want an appointment but I don't want to have to go to the doctor and I don't want to pay an arm and a leg, there's a Teladoc app that I can get on and I can have a FaceTime and be like, hey, what does this look like, you know? Um, you know, so much around me, so much of what I see can, you know, especially when you think of connecting with friends, we've got all the social media apps and Facebook and Instagram and and Twitter and Snapchat and all these things. And you could think that because of all of the different technological advancements and all of the apparent or seemingly connecting things through technology, that we would actually be more engaged and more connected than ever. But the reality is that no matter how much access and accessibility we have through technology, Technology and these kinds of surfacey levels of connection can never substitute real person-to-person interaction. And as much as they can enhance at times the connection or make you feel more connected. I remember when I moved from Indianapolis to Nashville, Tennessee, it was before Facebook was a thing, and I entered immediately, and I didn't have a cell phone. I entered into, like, the the dark zone and the dark ages with my family. Like, all of a sudden, it's like we didn't even exist, and I didn't exist, and I was on an island of country music and rockabilly and and, and, you know, just wondered, are you out there? And I just think, you know, be like five of American Tell, somewhere out there. And, and all of a sudden when Facebook dropped and everybody was populating Facebook, and at first you had to be a college student, but then like the dam broke and you had everybody's grandmother on there looking at grandbabies' photos and everything. All of a sudden, like people, like my family members, like remembered my birthday. I didn't even care if Facebook reminded him. I was just glad to get something, just to like, you know, like me. <laughs> However, as much as technology can advance and sometimes enhance our connection, I think we all know that there is also a very dark side to technology. There's, there, there is an aspect where many times this kind of substitute connection can not only cause our understanding, our experience with reconnection to decompose or erode, but it can cause it to be reduced into just this lump 
of stimuli-inducing transactions and data. You know, in various seasons of my life, I've kind of experienced some of this dark side because of struggling or, or battling with the fear of rejection. I've communicated this to some of you before, is that there was a deep-seated lie that the enemy tried to plant into my psyche at an early age, partly as a result of sexual abuse I'd experienced when I was eight years old, and honestly, just quite frankly, because of sin, because we live in a fallen world. And it was this lie that I could never and I was never enough. I was never man enough, smart enough, strong enough, black enough, saved enough. And, and it was this kind of lie that the enemy would flood me with that in, it didn't matter how intentional or unintentional, if I was ever in a situation or interacting with a person or, or, or a, a, a place or a situation in which I feel or perceived rejection, I would immediately feel this urge to withdraw. And it was almost like I was seeing in big, bold lights, you are not enough. And so I would begin to build these systems and defense mechanisms. And, you know, I would, you know, try to be a perfectionist in certain areas to ensure that I'll never have to experience that rejection. I'll never have to experience that sense of not being enough. And I would try in every way I could to control my surroundings and to control my relationships and to control my connections to prevent the feeling of rejection. Well, this is a very dangerous combination because then enters the internet age. And from stage left is 15-year-old John Owens. Big old glasses, really awkward, desperate for connection, and completely petrified of rejection. Coming face-to-face -face and interacting with internet pornography. And here, even though I knew that what I was viewing was wrong and was sinful, was an imitation of reality and a distortion of reality, what I was drawn to was this seemingly powerful state of control over my connection. Even in its most basic, grainy, non-HD dial-up form, there was still this sense of something that I could control, and I, I got hooked because it was beyond just the physical stimulus, but it was that my psychological mindset had been compromised by a virus that only paused to reload, not to reject. See, the deception was that a video never told me no. A video never told me that I wasn't enough. And so I'd turn it on, Press play, and it turned me on. And when I was done, I would turn it off. Unfortunately, it wasn't done with me. And before I knew it, the net that I was surfing on had become a net that I was entangled in. And this imitation of controlled reality began to control the way I functioned in reality. And so I would surf through various relationships, looking for transactions of validation. 
And if you could give me what I needed, if you could make me feel good about myself, if you made me feel man enough, if you made me feel courageous enough, brave enough, bold enough, whatever it is that I was needing, then great. We can build on that. But if not, I would leave and go look for that from somewhere else. And it got to a point where in many instances, not just my relationships with women, but men alike were completely became reduced and based on each person's capacity to make me feel good. And if for some reason they didn't fulfill that, I could always escape to my prison cell of temporary transactions, of numbing addiction and counterfeit connections. Thankfully, that didn't just shape the entirety of my life and and, and that brokenness did not control every relationship and interaction because thankfully God in his mercy and and his patience and his grace, he drew near to me. Anybody thankful that when you were far from God, he didn't wait for you to get your stuff together and come to him. He actually pursued you. He drew near to me. He came and he sat down with me in my darkest room of shame where I'd become far too familiar with my face glowing with the blinked and and shaking images of distortions of shame and distortions of reality. And instead, my face began to glow with his loving kindness as he began to transform me into his image. He began to restore me to his original settings. He began to remove all of the garbage and all of the virus from my heart and my soul and give me a new heart. Daily, he's renewing my mind and teaching me how to think the way he thinks. I remember it was like even when I, when I was 20 years old and, and sitting in my room, it was, I remember hearing so clearly from the Lord as I was reading his word. He said, John, he said, I'm rewiring you. I'm pulling out all of the bad wires. I'm pulling out all of the bad programming, and I'm going to teach you how to see me the right way and view yourself the right way and view men the right way and view women the right way. I'm starting over. Somebody can praise him for that. I know. I'll praise him by myself up here. Get happy. I'll just have Brian play that track again. And one of the greatest agents of change that God used in that time, it was not just he himself, but he actually brought about that restoration and reestablishment of connection through his body, his church, the family of God, men and women, peers, Spiritual fathers, mothers, uncles, little brothers challenging me and encouraging me to walk and embrace the true blessing and benefits of spiritual family. But even so, I still honestly just grieved at times when I think of how many times I allowed fear and rejection and sin to rob me and rob others of real power and the true power and fruit that comes from real connection. And, I, and I'm so passionate about it, and I'm, it, it means so much to me this morning because I know that the church is the family of God, and the family of God is comprised of many individuals. If you have given your life to Jesus and you've come into this family and you call yourself a son and a daughter of the living God... You are the church. 
We are the church. Everybody, if you believe that, say, we are the church. You can say it one more time. We are the church. We are the church. And so it's important that we understand the value and that we embrace not just settling for a counterfeit imitation of what spiritual family is. Because I see this pervasively coming into the church, this pattern of counterfeit connections creeping in. Some of it is as a result of some of the things that I struggle with. It's a fear of connection. It's a, it's, you've been hurt. You've been wounded maybe by the church or pastors or leaders in the community. And so what we do is we try to eliminate the human element or the things that we can't control from the church, and we just try to create these little pieces and segments that we can piece together and arrange so that we get what we want out of it, but avoid the potential for hurt. And so we break it down into, okay, well, the church or what I want to get out of it, it's just a combination of, you know, a community, like a group of people, and maybe it's a combination of inspirational music and an encouraging talk, and then we pay our indulgences to feel better about ourselves. And so, you know, we get our favorite worship playlist, or we have, you know, at the palm of our hand, we can plug in my favorite worship tube. And so I don't really need to show up and worship with people. I certainly don't need to show up on time. Uh, you know, whatever. Um, and I don't even really like the songs the church plays anyway, you know, so I'll just come up. I'll show up 15 minutes late. I just, I don't need that part of it. I don't need that part of it. I'll take care of that myself. Or we gorge ourselves on all-star caliber podcasts or leadership podcasts and communicators. And we just think, you know, who needs to be present for a face-to-face interaction by, you know, a subpar preacher? You know, I'm getting a little bit better, y'all. I mean, just help me out a little bit. But... <laughs> You know, we go and we do that. And I love podcasts, and it's great. But we, we get on a live stream, and we just sit back in our pajamas in our living room, or we wake up whenever we want to, and we just get a message on demand, and we don't think we need to actually show up. We donated five bucks to a random cause for somebody's birthday on Facebook, so why should I show up, sow my time, talent, and treasure into some place that actually is requiring me to be inconvenienced and maybe even sacrifice? Why? And we create just these, this imitation. We reduce the church to these segmented programs, and we fool ourselves into thinking we don't actually need real spiritual family. We don't need to show up. We'll just piecemeal together. We'll just supplement these counterfeit and lesser ways. There's nothing wrong with having great music on your podcast. But there's just nothing like gathering together with a bunch of people who are desperate for help in Jesus. For people with different testimonies and stories and backgrounds. Not that have it all together, actually don't have it all together, but in spite of it can praise him anyway. There's something about when we gather with, with one voice and one sound, no matter where your voice is. You know, one of the things, my man, Brian, Brian Grant, I love Brian. We were hanging out, and he was standing with my brothers, and he goes, man, he, my brother Judah was leading up here this morning. My brother David leads from time to time, and <laughs> Brian, he calls it the Owens Vortex. He's like, man, I was standing in the Owens Vortex. Man, I just thought I could sing good. <laughs> you know, it's just something you get in this space. It doesn't matter where you are, if you are in middle school or high school choir or not, just lift up your voice and worship. 
Because regardless of whether and how it sounds to us, the sound of God's children lifting up their voices in spite of whatever they're going through is a sweet sound to the Father. You can't substitute it. There's nothing like coming and hearing the word of God and coming with a level of expectation that God has something to say to you. Not just to hear what a pastor People forget that those pastors that are speaking, though the word is true and the word does not return void. And I listen to podcasts all the time. I love listening to preachers and teachers and, and, and leaders and thought leaders. But there's something about God speaking to a specific people, a specific word that God doesn't want you to miss out on. There are certain benefits of being in real connection with the spiritual family that we can only experience when we come when we draw in and when we are present in it. So I want to highlight in the remaining time that I have just three benefits and three key gifts and blessings that we have when we walk in this kind of spiritual family and connection. These are not the only ones, but these are some that I really want to highlight because I believe it will shape us, it will affect the way that we process, the way that we build, the way that we live. So the first benefit I want to highlight is protection. Go ahead and write that down, protection. Now, when I say protection, I think one of the negative connotations when I think of protection is that sometimes uh, people can use the church as a, you know, little hideout or a little ghetto that we hide in from the big, bad, ugly world. And so we want to, we, we turn the church rather than it being a, a family of God and a missional agent of change into our little hideout where we run to and we just get around people that just talk like us, think like us, and we don't have to, we can, it's just an agent of escapism. That's not what the church is called to be. Is the church called to be a refuge? Absolutely. Do we want to be a family and part of being a family and being, being a part of a community is having common language? Absolutely. But there's a dynamic of protection that is powerful. You have to understand that the first, the chief principle of the enemy's scheme and strategy to destroy and to break down all humanity and bring death into the earth was to separate you from relationship. What did he come at? He came at Adam and Eve's relationship with God and with one another. Why? Because the enemy understands the best way to get your prey is to cut them off from the pack and isolate them. The best way for him to take you down and to take you out is to cut you off. To get you just where he wants you. 1 Peter 5.8 says, it says, be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I want to show you a really quick video clip because it just so beautifully demonstrates this principle and this concept. Now, I'm just going to give you a heads up. For those of you who have a little weak stomach, there might be some graphic animal violence. So if you have to guard your gate, guard your gate. Go ahead and play that beautiful zebra footage. Lions have great vision. 
The brightest sunshine won't blind them, and in low light, they can see six times better than humans. They can hear prey from a mile away. And their sense of smell is so keen, they can tell how recently the prey passed. Lions will take on prey more than twice their size. A full-grown zebra can weigh nearly half a ton. One kick from those hooves can break a lion's jaw. Lions are sprinters, not marathoners. They can hit 35 miles an hour, but only for a few seconds. So they team up, approaching their prey from different angles. Zebras learn to keep their distance, but one zebra is about to violate the first rule of the safari. Always stay with the group. The lion will go for the typical death blow, crushing the windpipe. while the team keeps their prey from getting away. Of all the world's cats, lions are the only social animal, especially at dinner time. All right, you can go ahead and- After a kill is made. You're about to get real real. There's a second. <laughs> I kind of geek out by that. I was like, ooh, somebody might not want to eat later on, so somebody just got a confirmation they're going to be a vegetarian, whatever. <laughs> Meanwhile, somebody was like, boy, you just need some hot sauce. We'll throw that on the grill. My lawn. One of the benefits is protection. You know, one of the things that I think is so powerful is it said that, you know, they go for that killer blow. What is the, what is the first thing the line goes for? It goes for the jugular. It goes for the windpipe. And so quickly what the enemy comes at is he gets us isolated and what he does is he robs you of your voice. And he tells you, don't ask for help. Don't ask for help. And so you can be in the midst of a community of people that actually love you, want to stand with you, want to fight with you, but he's convinced you even in the midst of a crowd that you're alone. And the benefit is that we need people in our lives. We need to engage and connect and be vulnerable and be open, not just because we're just trying to bear everything just for no reason, but so that we can walk in relationship with people that see our weaknesses and see our gaps and see our blind spots, not as a way for us to be exploited, but to know this is how I can stand in the gap for you and fight for you. That's what this is about. This is, this is about being around a people who love you and care about the well-being of your soul and care about the holistic uh, wholeness of your family more than they do about hurting your feelings. You need people who can protect you, not just from the enemy and not from the, the pressure outside, but from yourself.
You need people who you've walked with long enough who have permission to speak into your life that if you lie to them, they can call BS. Y'all hear me? This is like real stuff. I was talking with my friend Jordan, uh, Jordan Smith, Jordan Victoria Smith, and we were sitting and having coffee, and and I've shared this with you some, but I've told him, I said, Jordan, I was like, as many great things as I think we're going to do as a church, and I have great vision and great, and, and, I'm, and I believe God for what he's going to do. I was like, it is so important that we have a real relationship because if, if we go and we have a church of however many people and we reach however many people, but you and I aren't still married to the same women and our children aren't following Jesus 20 years from now, what are we doing? We need people who can stand by us, who can protect us, and, and we need to, we want to create the kind of environment that would be like the great prophet and, and the great community organizer and New York City gangster, riffraff, who once said, you're never alone, you're never disconnected, you're home with your own, when company's expected, you're best protected. Come on, West Side Story. <laughs> Kelly and I just went and saw Hamilton on Saturday, so I'm in that musical mode. But there's something about having a family that when opposition comes, you know you're not alone. You know you don't have to fight alone. You know that even in those moments where you've been beaten down so much that you don't even have the strength to lift your own arms to fight, that there's people that will surround you and fight for you. One of the great benefits of real connection is that protection. A podcast can't fight for you. A live stream can't fight for you. You got to connect. The second benefit, great benefit of this real connection is propulsion. As we commit and we connect to spiritual family, it propels us into God's best for our lives. It aids us in moving forward and beyond old patterns and mindsets and forward into newness of life and freedom. And this can only happen. See, we say, okay, well, I just, I don't need, I've been hurt by the church. I don't need the church. I've got a community. The reality is the kind of community that you need to be who God's called you to be has to be a community whose chief goal and vision is to pursue Jesus. Otherwise... You just stay in the same level of captivity. Do you understand that freedom comes with a learning curve? When God brings us out of of the slavery of sin and bondage to sin, we don't all of a sudden get to download like Neo in the Matrix and we're like, "Mm, I know how to walk free. No. Even the slaves that were in Egypt when they got brought out of captivity like so many people who have been, become codependent into an abusive relationship, they can so easily be drawn back in because they've done it so long. I don't know how to walk free. I don't know how to walk in this new identity. And you don't learn how to be free under the, tutor, to, under the tutelage of slaves. Now, Pastor John, I thought we were to be reaching out to the lost and to the broken. Absolutely. But not at forfeiting getting around people who love Jesus more than we do and can help us to walk in truth. Even the great apostle Paul, before he went on his great missions and, and, and did incredible things, there was a season where he had to just sit and learn, how do I walk with Jesus rather than persecuting him? How now should I live? If you're, you don't want to just be in a community that encourages you to stay the same. That's not love. 
God wants you to move forward in him. He wants you to be around a people that can meet you where you are, will encourage and celebrate how far you've come, but also spur you and encourage you to move forward in your pursuit with Jesus. I love that in verse 24 of our text, in chapter 10, it says, let us consider how to stir up one another. The NIV says, let us consider how to spur one another. You know, sometimes it's going to, it's going to be a creative way in which we encourage each other. Everybody's different. Everybody receives encouragement different. Some people, you know, you just need a little bit more of a tender approach. You've been beat up. You've been cussed out. You've been all that. You need somebody to come with a tender heart to speak those kind of words of life, and it's going to come in different ways. Other people, you're a little bit more hard-headed like me, and you need a jackhammer and somebody to come in your grill. And you know what? If they cuss, maybe it is the Holy Spirit. I don't know. Like, I just need, I needed some people to, like, smack me up the side of the head. I was just, I was hard-headed. And God does it in different ways. He knows what we need, but we have to embrace it. God has not called us to look for just a church community that makes us feel comfortable, that makes us feel unchallenged, where we could just sit back in the cut and never get cut. He wants us to be in a place that will move him move us forward in him, and help us to walk in all he has for us. The third and final benefit I want to talk about, and honestly, I just think this one gets so overlooked and so missed out. I mentioned the first is protection. The second is propulsion. And the third is partying. Yes, I said it. We, one of the great benefits of being in real connection with the people of God is celebration. Celebration is a spiritual discipline. Celebration is a part of the people of God from beginning to end. When you look at the scripture, it is full of feasts and festivals and gatherings where people are rejoicing and celebrating what God has done, what he is doing, and what he will do. Are y'all with me this morning? When you think about the end of the story, when it says that that Satan has forever been cast into the lake of fire and God, Jesus returns and all nations are gathered with him, what does he use to describe and express what it's going to be like? A wedding feast, a wedding reception. And I'm not talking about some bobo wedding reception with a dry bar and a drier wedding cake and an awkward DJ and even more awkward garter moment. Lord God, can we just get rid of the garter moment? Like, if I have to see one more dude put his head under a dress and come out with something in his teeth, I'm like, stop! Stop it. If you're getting married, just get rid of that. Do something else, you know what I'm saying? Get candy bacon or something. Let's just not do that. No, no, no. I'm talking about that kind of wedding reception that it is so, you dance so hard, your church, your shirt changed colors in the middle of the reception. I'm talking about the one that was so hot, the DJ was so hot that the, just, the DJ booth just caught on fire. I'm talking about the reception where they came up to you and said, would you like filet mignon or the smoked salmon or both? And you said, put me down for both. I'm talking about that, that kind of celebration. Every time we gather, it should be a party. Every time we gather, we should rejoice. Now, I know what we say is all of life a party. No, it's not. And I know that there's moments where we're broken and we're lamenting. I know there's moments when the Scripture tells us that we are to mourn with those who mourn. 
But we can't stop there. Because then the scripture goes on to say, rejoice with those who rejoice. And in Philippians, when we just got finished studying, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You know, I'm just, I know somebody can get excited with me. Sometimes I need somebody who has walked through some things like I've walked through it and has been redeemed like I've been redeemed that can shout with me. Sometimes I need somebody who isn't ashamed to shout and celebrate and declare that once I was dead in my sin, but Jesus raised me up. It's okay to be happy. It's okay to have joy. It's okay to be broke and still rich with blessing. It's okay to still not know what's going on in your body, but declare healing and walk in freedom and thanksgiving and bring those offerings up to the Lord. You don't get extra points by looking like a sourpuss. Sometimes this kind of celebration is uncomfortable and it's hard for people and it becomes a caricature. You know, you hear a song like we play during our break. After all that I've been through, I still have my joy. And some of you are like, oh, that's fun. I saw that once on TV, that gospel music, that kind of expression. And there's some of us that you're like, you know what, I can't wait till we do that on Sunday morning because i got a praise that I've been sitting on and i got to release that. And, and I just want to tell you. There's going to be all kinds of different expressions of praise. And some of you are going to feel uncomfortable. And, and, and that's okay. You don't understand. When you're new to something, when something's new, it might feel uncomfortable. That's okay. That's okay. Right? Unfortunately, so many of us have been conditioned to think that when we come into church, just got to be prim and proper. If I'm feeling moved by the Spirit, I will lift one hand. If I'm truly moved, I will get a sour face. Mmm. And we act like we don't really know how to celebrate and praise God. But then as soon as we go to the party or we go to the club, it's like, hey, 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 hey. All of a sudden we can have fun and we can celebrate. <laughs> Ephesians, I, I, I need to get to my point because I've got to wrap this sucker up. Ephesians 5.18 through 20 says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. And so often we just stop there. And we make this religious point not to drink. The scripture says the drunkenness is a sin. But we miss on the next part that says, But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in songs and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in His name, Lord Jesus. What is He saying is, that's a counterfeit joy. That's a counterfeit just going and getting drunk with a bunch of people who don't even know their name or forget you next week. That's a counterfeit praise. That's a counterfeit celebration. He said there's something real you can be a part of, and we ought to every time we gather. We ought to remind each other of his faithfulness and his goodness and not be bashful about it. But you don't get to do that if you don't come. If you don't connect, what is the call to do? If we want to experience this kind of connection and intimacy and real spiritual family, if we want to really experience the fullness that God has for us in his church and his family, it begins the same way. Same point as I said last week, it begins by surrendering to Jesus. 
It really does. Not just surrendering him in a very, in a kid's summer camp kind of way that we can just kind of raise a hand or raise an eyebrow. But saying, God, I surrender my bitterness, my hurt. I surrender my need to be in control. I surrender to you as the king. Not just the savior, but the king, the boss. Even though I'm scared, I don't even fully know what it looks like. I've been hurt. I've been burned. And last time I checked, there's a lot of people that I have to learn how to walk with. Saying, God, I surrender you and I trust you anyway. But it doesn't stop with surrender. You got to show up. Y'all hear me this morning? We got to show up. The scripture says, don't forsake the gathering. Don't forsake coming and connecting. You got to show up on, on Sundays and, and, and not just stay at home in your comfort or stay at home in some controlled environment. You want to come and be present in worship. Like come like before worship starts. Get your coffee. Come in fully expecting to bring offerings of praise. Come with a pen and a Bible and something to write on. Come expecting God to speak to you and not just speak to you in a moment, but to give you something that you can go and take and put to work in your life. Be present. When you come, don't just run away. Don't plan like 50,000 things to do after church. Actually like connect and engage and pray with somebody and ask somebody to pray with you and be vulnerable and go to lunch and buy somebody's lunch and do whatever you can to actually build real, authentic community and don't just wait as much as you can. I think sometimes we can be in church and we can be in service and we be in all these experiences and we just can't wait till we can like fix our habit. We start shaking and itching and we're like, oh, what happened on Instagram while I was in church? Where are we going to lunch? Let me look on Yelp. Breathe. Take a moment. Go to lunch. Sign up for a city group. We've got city group signups coming up shortly. These are our community groups. And I tell you what, sometimes the signups are great, but the show-ups are not. Don't just sign up and then let everything else in your life choke it out because it feels more convenient, but it makes life harder because you're doing it alone. And show up to celebrate. Show up to celebrate. Today, you're going to hear this announcement in a minute for Trisha, but today we've got this thing we call it Sunday Fun Day. We put out an event on Facebook, on Instagram. We're, going to, we're encouraging people, grab a lunch, come over to Tarkington Park, hang out. Let's, we've got, there's a splash pad for kids, you know, even if you're not a kid, like you can go by the edge of the water and just be like, hey, you know, get a little refreshment. We've got the Ameri- General American Donut Company. They're coming making ice cream sandwiches. It's going to be great. It's going to be a fun time. But more than anything, more than the ice cream sandwiches, more than the splash pad, more than throwing a Frisbee, it's about creating an intentional space to say, hey, what's your story? Let's build together. Let's not just sit in the same row for an hour and 20 minutes, but let's get to know each other. See, I, I'm so excited. I'm sweating partly because it's hot in here and because I'm so passionate Because I understand if we can actually get this, we can be dangerous. We can be a family that loves hard, that fights hard, that parties harder. I don't know about you. That's the kind of family I want to be a part of. That's the kind of church I believe God has called us to be. And it takes all of us to make that happen. Let's pray. God, I love you. Thank you. That you first and foremost, draw us to yourself. But in such a brilliant miracle, as we connect to you, 
we are not just connected to you, but we are adopted into a great family. A family that we can walk with and grow with. A family that can love us where we are, but love us towards who you've called us to be. Lord, a family that won't just cry with us, but a family that'll fight with us and celebrate with us. But a family that's real. A family that doesn't just like us on Facebook, but walks with us in life. Lord, help us. Wean us off of the addiction of counterfeit connections. Lord, help us to have a taste and a hunger for the real thing. And Lord, help us to have the courage to draw near, to show up, and to fully embrace it. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us. Don't forget, you can find us online at cityoflights.church and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.